Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to another episode of the Saddle Up Show with Shy and Destin, brought to you by the good people at Stampede Blue, the official coat site of SB Nation. Destin, my fellow Colts fan, how are you? Your fellow Colts fan. I want yeah, to I mean, say something dramatic, but you, you know how the last intro went that we had to start over, so I just decided could, to yeah, couldn't do it again. Simple. Yeah, right. couldn't couldn't do it again. But uh, yeah, I'm doing good, man. I mean, it just feels like the everything's different about being a Colts fan this next this past week. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> like what? How many times can you say that do? the past month? I don't know, man. Just, every week has been a roller coaster, but this has been a positive change in, the, in mm-hmm. a way. Like it just feels like this team has life. It just feels like this team has a chance. Like this this team is a football team again. Whereas yeah. the, this past month has taken like 12 years off my life trying to cover <laughs> every switch and every fire and every benching. Um, I, I'm just ready for some stability, and I think we're heading that direction. I don't know if that stability is going to lead to many more wins. Well, we're going to see. We, we're going to kind of see where we stack up with a big one coming into town. Former mm-hmm. Colts offensive coordinator Nick Sirianni, former yep. AFC South rival AJ Brown. Thank you again to Tennessee for getting that man out this big. But <laughs> but it'll be a big one this week. It'll kind of show you where the Colts actually stand. Yeah, I'd much rather play AJ Brown once every maybe four years possibly than twice a year. So anytime you can take AJ Brown out of the division, that's a win for us. But so um, let's, where do we want to start? We can start with the injury report. Did you happen to see it? Um, I know we can talk about Shaq Leonard since since we last recorded. Shaq Leonard had a back surgery again. I believe it was second time this season. Um, well, this year, second time in five months, I think. Right? Yeah, yeah, second time in a five month span. Um, we wishing him a speedy recovery and hope everything is well with him. I know the surgery kind of came as a shocker. I, I knew he was going to consult with a specialist, but I didn't know if if the surgery was on a table so soon. It was but, very quick, very quick turnaround. Yeah, that's what I'm so saying. They must have seen that the nerve damage was not completely fixed where they wanted it to. Um, I know that the setback that happened this past week, um, it just led to there just being way more pain in his everyday movement. Um, so it wasn't just game movement anymore where before when he was playing, even playing here this past few weeks, he was playing through pain a little bit. So they knew it wasn't fixed. They knew it was going to be a situation where he was going to have to get something else done. But the setback, what I was told is the setback started to make it to where his everyday movement was no mm-hmm. longer comfortable. And you just can't operate like that. 
Like that, you you cannot operate where every day is in pain because your mentality is going to be different. You're just going to feel defeated all the time. And they had to do what was right. They need to get it right for him, for his career, for his him personally. It was just important that they figure out what needs to be done. And to me, it just felt like the right decision. The linebacking groom is playing as good as they've played maybe ever. Um, so play wise, I think it's a great time for them to be able to make that sacrifice and have a guy like Shaq in the year. But also, it's just the best chance of him getting to a hundred percent by twenty twenty three. Yeah, man. Uh, when it starts to affect, like you said, your everyday life, uh, I seen what injuries could do to a person. You know, mentally on the mental side of it, and having to pick yourself up all of those times, mentally and emotionally, is almost just as challenging, if not more, than it is physically. So uh, I feel bad for Shaq. I know how bad he wants to be out there. He's, he's such a high energy guy. He gives this coast team so much fire and so much juice. You know, missing him is, is going to be huge. I know the coach haven't played with him all all season pretty much, but just not having him around as much. It's going to be a big blow to the team. But uh, other than that, looking at the injury report, um, I'm kind of concerned about DeForest Buckner's neck. Um, I don't mess with necks, man. Necks necks and backs. Yep. Yep. Those are the two things, man. Those things, when you see them pop up on the injury report, they can linger and hang around and leads to all kinds of different type of injuries, nerve damage, and and different things. As we see what's going on with – with Shaq, which pretty much started off as back was as a calf injury, you know, calf not firing off, nerves going up to his back, and it can affect a lot, man. So that that's what I'm really watching um, on this injury report. Uh, we know Deion Jackson with the knee, uh, and Quiddy Pay with the ankle, man. That that ankle, Quiddy Pay, who's having a phenomenal season as far as taking that next step. We saw it happening. He had suffered a setback. He came back. He actually looked really good when he returned, but now he's back on the injury report with the ankle injury. Hopefully, you know, he's just it's not too troubled. He's really just resting it, and, and he'll be back out there practicing tomorrow. It, me and Destin was talking about the, the injury reports. These Wednesday injury reports, it's really tough to gauge them because so much of this is just rest or, or just giving a vet, you know, some time to, to heal up and, and get right for the rest of the week. Thursday and Friday is really going to tell a story. So we're looking forward to seeing what's going on with that. One of the names I'm watching though, just because um, I don't know if everybody saw through the um, workout wire, the NFL wire, um, the the Colts worked out about four long snappers. Um, Saturday was asked about it a little bit. Luke Rose got a little banged up, but him and his wife are also expecting a child here really Mm -hmm. soon. So there's that going on as well. So I'm I'm really interested there because I mean long snapper is one of those positions that people undervalue until you have a bad one. And let me tell you, let me translate what what Destin is trying to say. He's trying to say his wife is on the side of him saying, "Tell him your ankle hurts. Tell him your calf hurts. You're not coming. You're not coming this week. I have to have this baby, and you're gonna be there." That's pretty much what happened with Lebron. Luckily for him, it's a home game. I mean, I don't know if you saw last week on Thursday Night Football, um, the left tackle for the Falcons, his wife um, went into labor early that morning. Around Who like is the five- left tackle for the Falcons? Caleb McGarry? Jake Matthews? 
I think Matthews, right? Yeah, I think it's Jake, Jake Matthews, Matthews out of Texas A&M. Yeah. Yep. Um, long time vet, long time left tackle. Um, something the Colts are hoping to have in a long time left tackle. But so like Jake Matthews, his wife went into labor at like five a.m. and he was already in Carolina for a Thursday night football. Wow. So he flew out to back home, made it, was there for the birth of his child. Um, then got back on a plane. I believe Arthur Blank sent his personal jet to get Matthews, flew him back out to Carolina, and started Thursday Night Football. That's gangster. That is hey, he a legend. He a legend for that, man. And I, I can't imagine the amount of brownie points he got with his wife that night. <laughs> I can't imagine the amount of stress that was on it, man. Oh, no, I, no way. <laughs> but like I said, Luke Ro- Rhodes is a little bit He's in a good place because it's a home game this week. So technically, if there is a birth Friday, for example, Saturday, it's not as hard to play Sunday. Now, that's a fa- that's a personal decision for family stuff. But that's, that's something because there's multiple things there that are interesting to me. Because just signing a long snapper off the street can cause some very bad things. With a mm-hmm. punting game that's been up and down already – Matt, Matt Hack has had some great games. Matt Hack has had some awful games. And if you're having an awful game as a punter and it's that noticeable, it's that bad. <laughs> it is that bad. And against Absolutely. Washington, he was useless. Oh, he was yeah, he was terrible. But he was awful. I wanted I wanted to just start letting Matt Ryan like throw cherry bombs as punts instead of what we were seeing. It can't get much worse than, than how you played that game, man. And I'm so glad that that game is behind us. Although I wish Matt Ryan would have started that game because we probably would have won. But let's get into these questions. We got a bunch of them. Uh, the first question is from a familiar person, the new King of Coats, not the old one. The old, the old King of Coats suck anyway. The old I don't know why anybody, Yeah, I don't know why anybody will follow that guy. But the new King of Coats acts if some sort of freak – Freak Friday, I guess he meant Freaky Friday, event were to occur, and you became Jim Mercy. Answer the question below. That's then 2023 GM. Who's your 2023 GM? Who's your 2023 head coach? And who's your 2023 first-round pick? And he also has an additional question of who are you resigning for 2023 out of Paris Campbell, Bobby Okereke, and I'm assuming this is Taekwon Lewis. So is the question who I would personally hire or who I think they Yeah, he said if you became Jim Mercer. So it's you. Dang. Oh, and he, he put a disclaimer saying, uh, realistic answers only, please. I'm sure we all would want to get Bryce Young, but that's not going to happen. Don't tell me what can't happen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but so 2023 GM – I have been very intrigued by Lewis Riddick over the last few cycles. Um, okay. A lot, a lot of people are going to go out saying all these things um, about going the analyst route. It didn't work for the Vegas. I get it, but Riddick has so much more experience, I think, than people understand. He's worked in the player personnel department. He has been around football. He consults multiple teams across the league, even which we've seen. Helped Jeff Saturday get a job this past uh, 
couple of weeks. But uh, so I am just really interested in Lewis Riddick. I think Lewis Riddick would have a lot of connections in building a staff because yeah. that's going to be the important part is once Chris Boward is let go, which I do believe is going to happen, you're more likely than not having to fill a lot of spots. Breaking I mean, news. Destin said it here. Chris Ballard will be let go. So feel free. It could feel be. Free to it, it, it could be. He resigns at the end of the year. It could be. Like I think it's gonna be one of those mutual things. I just, I just don't think it makes sense going forward. And I just, I, I, I call a spade a spade, man. And it just looks like Chris Ballard is uh, gonna be elsewhere. But there's a lot of guys in this front office that are up and comers that you're gonna have to fill those spots. I mean, Absolutely. I doubt. Unless you want to promote Ed Dobbs and Morocco Brown to GM, those guys are going somewhere else. They're going to find a better spot to keep elevating. Um, the scouting department is pretty much all Ballard guys, a couple of guys that stayed pre-Ballard, I believe. Um, so that's an area where you're going to have to watch that's going to have to be filled a lot of. So I think Riddick would have the, a, a lot of connections across the league to build a great staff. But I also think he's an up-and-comer, and I think he has a lot of potential to build where the football is moving. So yeah. I'm going to go Riddick for GM. Do you want to go I give a GM, you give a GM, I give a head That's coach? That's fine. Okay. Um, I will go uh, – I'm going to go uh, Malik Boyd. Uh, he's the uh, director of player scouting for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I think he's super talented. And he just seems like a coach type of guy for us. His manners, the way he carries himself, a real prof- true professional. A lot of the guys respect him and are respons- responsible for – a lot of the Bills' uh, homegrown talent that's over there right now. Malik Boy is my early favorite as of right now. Uh, I love the Lewis Riddick, though. You know, I don't know if Lewis Riddick is going to come over. Hey, he and, loves the Colts. He does. He does. He I is swear, a Col- there, there are advocate. very few. There are very few people that tweet more about the Colts than Lewis Riddick, I feel like. And Dan, Dan Arflowski. Hey, let's build a whole staff. Analysts. Yeah. <laughs> We're we're just gonna we're just gonna milk ESPN and Fox Sports dry of their personalities. Okay. Yeah, so uh, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Malik Boy. So uh, okay, up next, who you got for head coach? Um, so you went Buffalo for the GM. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go Buffalo for the head coach. Mm. Um, I, so I personally think the Jeff Saturday era is gonna end in one or two ways. I think one, he it goes well enough. And he gets elevated to a front office role where I believe he's wanted to be anyway. Um, I don't know if it's like a director of player personnel. I don't know. Like something big mm-hmm. that way. Or if he likes head coaching enough, I do think it could be him as the head coach. So I should mention that as a, ca- a caveat. I do think he will be in the organization. I just don't know which one. I, I'm going to mm-hmm. lean that I think he gets elevated into the front office. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go someone who keeps that fiery personality, but is going to move you in a direction of offensive mind that I think is going to need to happen as you're about to draft a guy in the next one of the next two years. And I'm going to go Ken Dorsey out of Buffalo, um, the offensive coordinator there. Buffalo's not missed a beat on offense since Brian Dabble left, who's having a lot of success over there in New York. Um, I think Dorsey has that fire that you want to be able to keep moving with that Saturday brings, but I also think he's going to be over an area that is important to get a head coach if you're about to go the young quarterback route. Yeah, 
That that's um Ken Dorsey. We all know him. Well, I know him originally from the legendary uh quarterback of those Miami teams. What probably the greatest college football team of all time, possibly. Uh but he's been an awesome, awesome coach since he's gotten his shot in the NFL. A super bright young mind. Uh really picked up right where Brian Dable left off. He, what he done with Josh Allen being his quarterback coach, even when Brian Dable was there, was was a phenomenal job. So his resume speaks for itself. Uh, I'm gonna go with a guy that's also an offensive coordinator right now, but he's the offensive coordinator of the team we're playing. We're gonna get a good look at him coming up this week. I'm gonna go with Shane Steichen. Uh, Shane Steichen's phenomenal job he's doing with the Eagles. Uh, what he did last year with him and I'm sure Seriani did together as far as the first week, the first few weeks of the season up until the Eagles bye week actually, it was trying to run more of Frank Reich offense and it just wasn't working for them. Uh, Jalen Hurts wasn't comfortable with it. The guys that was, that was trying to run it with wasn't wasn't the right fit for them. So they, they really pivoted and came back off the bye week with a revamp run game, and he literally ran the ball down team stroke for the rest of the season. Uh, they finished with the, – there was the number one rush team in the NFL last year, and just that ability to pivot and revamp a whole game plan over a bye week just shows me your ability to adjust on the fly. And that, and that's something I don't think Indy's had in a long time, uh, the ability to, to, to pivot and turn into something else. And what they're doing this year is nothing like what they did last year. They, you know, they're, they're throwing the ball well. They're running it, of course. They have one of the best offensive lines in football. But Shane Steigen, young guy, I believe he's in his mid to mid to late 30s. He, he's the bright offensive mind that I think this team can use, that can take this team into the future. He's also a guy that you would definitely want a young quarterback to come into which is setting up my next pick, but Destin is going to go next. So who would be your first round draft pick? Um, so first, just thoughts on the Shane, I guess. Um, I, I do want to note that the ability to go from Miles Sanders being irrelevant to Miles Sanders being a steady, solid running get back in the league this year has been really interesting to watch. Um, that's something that I think should be up on his resume a little bit is just the ability to scheme up the run game better than a lot of guys in the league right now. Um, yeah. Because I think what they're doing in Philadelphia, um, even though they don't have the most talented running back in the league, they mm. scheme things up so well for him that he it, it's it's making the game simpler for Miles. To me. Right. I don't think Miles Sanders has taken this giant step as a running back this year. I just think they're simplifying it for him and making it simpler. We'll hit your hole and we're going to get it to you. We have an awesome offensive line and they're making what's making the best with what they can. So props to Shane for just helping rejuvenate Miles Sanders' career a little bit there. Absolutely. But uh, so first round pick is a hard one, man. Every, I mean, he so he went Anthony Richardson, uh, your boy, Sean. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. uh, my boldest take. I don't. I don't say. Don't. Don't say it unless you're picking them because I don't want you to say the person I'm gonna pick. I mean, my my boldest take is that the Colts don't go quarterback. Okay, all right, I'm fine with that. Um, I, I just think where you're going to end up 
unless you trade up and and where we're at right now, I'm just going to speak as if we end up with the, in the 12 to 15 range is where it's, is where it seems like the boat is going. And I just think the position of need is going to be edge rusher. And I just think quarterback is going to have a lot of guys gone unless you go certain guys. I'm not going to say names because I don't want to steal any of you, but I have a personal favorite that I'll mention after you pick. Like, do I have to say a name? Like, do I have to randomly pick an edge rusher out of a hat right now for the? Oh, you want to pick an edge rusher? You could you go position. I think position is fine. Like, I I feel very confident that it's going to be an edge rusher. I think the Yannick experiment. Um, it's a one year deal, and I just mm. don't know if he's done enough for the Colts to want to pay him going forward. I think yeah. Quiddy Pay offers a lot on the outside. Um. And as a different type of edge rusher, sets the edge really well in the run game, offers mm-hmm. a good amount in the pass game. But I think opposite of him, you need to have that alpha dog pass rushing edge rusher on the outside. Um, who is that that they go? Like, I mean, it's if a, I had, it could go in a few different directions, everyone would love Will Anderson, who's going to go top five at the I very least. Say- that's one person it won't be. <laughs> yeah, so if, I, if I had to say the realistic route, not going to be him. Yeah. Miles My, Murphy out of Clemson's a name you could mm-hmm. watch. Uh, mm-hmm. Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech's a guy who's dropping up draft boards right now. Andre Carter. Like, there, there's a lot of guys in this upcoming class that are going to be fun through the draft process. And if we were – in January, I would have better names to give you out of where we're drafting. I just don't know yeah, where so we're going to be at. I, I, but I, my bold take is they wait on quarterback till 2024. Matt Ryan is the starter next year. People hate it after the draft. But that 2024 class is so good, guys. Just just wait. Okay, I'm going to go with a guy. Uh, I know earlier this week I, I tweeted that, that Anthony Richardson is going to wild the most people in the pre-draft process, which I – still believe i believe that uh wholeheartedly i believe he's probably going to rise the furthest out of all those guys but the person i think i think the coats are gonna take is a person that's going to also rise up draft boards and sneak into the first round somewhere in the middle of the first round and it's a young man that plays quarterback on the west coast i'm gonna go with cameron ward Cameron Ward is 20 years old, a phenomenal talent, extremely raw, uh, awesome athlete, can absolutely sling it all over the field. It, it, I had a chance to watch him really, really closely. You know, when they played USC, he had a phenomenal game that game. Uh, USC ended up winning the game, but Cameron Ward is phenomenal, man. And with the right coaching, a guy like Shane Steichen or a guy like Kent Dorsey, for that matter, I think what they will be able to do with him, what, if you can hone him and clean up some of his mechanic issues, what he can do on the move and outside of the pocket, uh, I think it's a no-brainer. Um, you go with that guy. He 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 has the upside of any any quarterback in the draft, probably any quarterback not named Anthony Richardson because I, I think his upside is off the charts if, if he's able to reel that in. He probably has the lowest floor, Anthony Richardson, out of all of those guys, but his potential is through the roof. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Cameron Ward, though. Um, okay, really quick, because we spent a lot of time on here. 
Who are you resigning out of Paris Campbell, Bobby O'Karake, and Taekwon Lewis? I mean, I, I don't think Taekwon Lewis will get resigned. It sucks to back-to-back injuries like he did, mm-hmm. unless he takes another really, really cheap deal. And if it's new coaching staff, that's going to be very hard. Lot No connection there, front office or head coaching staff-wise. Yeah. Paris and Bobby are both playing themselves into just find a way. Paris will be yeah. cheaper than I think is necessary to let him go, so we'll resign him. And I'm almost at the point where you have to tag Bobby if you can't sign him. You you don't know what Shaq's going to be post all these injuries. You have to have some assurance there. Um, figure it out afterwards. The salary cap is fake. Um, you can maneuver that thing as many ways as you want. Get a creative mind in here and Throw on them void years. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do to keep Bobby. I'm in the same boat, that that answer. I don't want to say it's easy to discredit what Paris is doing, but it, it I really don't have to spend much time thinking about this one. Uh, I love what Paris is becoming. I love who Paris always had the potential to be, and it's finally it's good to see him finally, you know, evolving into that. But Bobby is a flat-out stud, man. Bobby has top 10 linebacker potential and i'm actually fine with the player he is right now if if he stayed this good if this is his peak and he remained this good for the next four or five years i'm perfectly fine with with bobby uh but so i'm gonna go with bobby hello i'm neelai patel the editor-in-chief of the verge and host of decoder business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. (laughs) Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. I mean, that's without a doubt, like. I think there's an argument to be made that he is playing at a top 10 off-ball linebacker level right now, mm-hmm. and you can't let that walk. You, you just can't. No. Going over here to the next question, this is coming from Hoof Talk, at Hoof underscore talk. Um, H-O-O-F, Hoof. Hoof. 
hoof underscore talk. I don't think we've graded it before. We we've we've talked with hoof talk before on Twitter. I don't know if we've ever graded his at. Yeah, hoof talk bullied hoof hoof talk bullied me into following him today. Yeah. Hashtag peer pressure. Hashtag right. Hashtag peer pressure. Uh I'm gonna give his at name. It's coach related. Yeah, you gotta love well, the hoofs. Well, 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 it's horse related. <laughs> I'll say, I'll say that. Uh, so I'm gonna give him a seven. Oh, he has I'm an a, underscore in the middle of it. Huff right? underscore talk. I'm gonna give him a six. I'm gonna See, go. Six. I, I, I'm gonna go six as well. I'm just just not an underscore guy. Um, yeah. nothing against hoof talk. Um, but just gotta roll with a six. But mm-hmm. big fan of you guys. You know, hoof talk. We're a big fan of you. We both follow you after the peer pressure today. I heard. Uh, <laughs> just wondering, do you think Mister Ursay is putting any pressure on Chris Ballard to move and take the quarterback next draft? If so, who do you think the Colts are most interested in? I know it's way too early, but tell. But you're curious to curious about your takes. My answer is really quick, and then you can go. I think the pressure is that Chris Ballard won't be here. Um, I think that's what the pressure that's, is right now. I don't yeah, think it's on him to draft place. the next guy. Yeah, I don't think Chris Ballard uh, has that decision to make. I don't think he'd be the one make. He'll be the one making the decision, especially the way cur- currently things are constructed right now. Uh, I really believe Jeff Saturday has more to say on what goes on with this team as far as who who's added, who's cut, who won't be here next year, and who will be here next year. So. That question is pretty much uh, – I know we talked about a couple of quarterbacks, so there's no need to really dive back into that. But the guy – I'm not even allowed to say who they're most interested in. But, yeah, so just play, I mean, play the last play I'll the say, last second. I'll, I'll be real. I mean, they, they went and watched Will Levy's a lot already. Mm-hmm. They, they, they went and watched him a lot. Um, I think there's interest in this quarterback class. I think it's hard to say who they're the most interested in until we actually get into the process because guys like Anthony Richardson, guys like Cam Ward, I mean, there's multiple guys that we don't even know if they're going to declare yet. Anthony Richardson and Cam Ward don't even technically have to come out right now. As good and yeah. stacked as that 2024 class is going to be, though, they probably need to They probably need to declare if you want to go in the first round right now. But Yeah. Um, they had a, uh, a guy, no, that's a scout, he called me. And told me he spoke with the coach personally. Uh, I got a good idea of a guy that that they really like. I'll tell you after the show. Ooh boy, yay! So next, What's the up? next question, Joshua M. Oh yeah, Joshua M. Oh, right here. What do you think the evaluation process for Saturday looks like? What in your guys' mind would Jeff need to do to earn the full-time gig? Hmm. Oh, I forgot to rate. We forgot to rate his ad name. Hold on. His ad name is at Nightshade2252. Ooh, that's tough. I like at Nightshade. It's different. I like that, too. I would have rather it be like at Nightshade JM. Use your initials. Get, get the numbers out of it. I don't know what's available. Just saying. If you're listening and considering. That's a that's a route you could go, um, but yeah, I'll go. I'm gonna go a six and a half. Six and a half. Nightshade's yeah, a cool. I like. Guy. I say. I, I, I say. I don't. I don't dislike Nightshade. I rock with that. Uh, I'll go six. I'll go six. Nightshade's pretty cool. This is a twenty-two fifty-two throwing me off. So if you can let me know what those numbers mean specifically to you, then you know I might be willing to bump that six up. 
His question is, what do you think the evaluation process for Saturday looks like? What in your guys' mind would Jeff need to do to earn the full-time gig? I think he's done a lot of what Ursay already wanted. It was just all about changing the culture, all about changing mm-hmm. the outlook of what this team is all about, what this mm-hmm. team is going to do, and just how they operate. It's just very different already. So I, I, the big one to me, again, I think Jeff Ursay wants Saturday in the building. He's wanted him in the building for multiple years. So it's just all about what that looks like. If it is moving him into the front office, that's where he'll be. If he goes through coaching, likes coaching, and that's where he wants to be, I think that that's what it comes down to. It's just does Jeff Saturday want to be a head coach in the National Football League? And we'll find out as the last seven games play out. Um, my – bet and my push would be that Jeff Saturday is going to end up being the director of player personnel. Yeah, I see it being pretty much the same way. Uh, Ursay had a, a vision for what he wanted for this team, and I think Jeff is is pretty much just the, the person, the vessel he's using to execute the vision. You know, they communicate a lot. They're really good friends. Uh, Ursay, I'm pretty sure, was keeping him abreast of the whole Frank situation and, and what it was going to look like. It's not a coincidence that 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 decision came a week after they were celebrating Tyreek Glenn going into the ring of honor and, and the whole glory squad was pretty much assembled. The Avengers was assembled, as I should say. Uh, I just really think that Ursay is going to slow walk this. I think he's going to go through the whole process at the end of the season, you know, the hiring process. But I think it's Jeff's job to lose pretty much. Uh, unless Jeff just says he doesn't want to deal with the headache, uh, everything that, that coaching becomes, then I think it's his job. As long as he don't go out there and embarrass himself within the next uh, seven weeks, I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I agree. Um, next one here, Barl with a donut emoji is his name. I don't know what Barl is, but Barl. if that's your name, that's interesting. At Barl's Barkley. B-A-R-L-S Barkley. I see he's a Dallas Mavericks fan. I'm looking at his face right now. He's a Mavs fan, but he has Barl on his header, so I'm assuming he, his name is Barl. Barl's Barkley. I like to play on Charles, of course. Charles Barkley. Uh, no underscores, no numbers, nothing weird. Uh, I think I'm going to give you a seven, Barl's, Barl's Barkley. It's hard to say your name pretty like fast, though. Fluently, it's, it's Pretty tough. Can you say like, it quick? Can you Barles say Barles Barkley? Barles Barkley. Barles Barkley. Barles Barkley. Barley's, uh, Bar- Barley Barkley. <laughs> gets there. It, it gets you going. But yeah, I, li- I like Barles. I like mm-hmm. Barles Barkley. I'm, I'm going to go seven and a half. Oh, okay. I like I the play. I, was, I thought I, like I was the, high with the seven. You were seven No underscores, no numbers, play on words of the Charles Barkley. And if your name's Barles Barkley, that's even awesomer. That your parents <laughs> named you that, but yeah. I, I'm taking it as a play on words. Me so too. if if your actual name is Barrows Barkley, it may just be a seven for me actually. Because um, uh, take the creativity yeah, out of it. But if you just came up with Barrows Barkley, seven and a half for me. I I, I respect creativity online. Um, well, his question but, is, what's up, boys? Nothing much, Barrows. No, what's up with you? Pretty, pretty good, man. Is it safe to say we have two lockdown corners on this team in Gilly and IRS? Mm. I never. Why have I never thought about that, nicknaming him IRS? 
I don't know, man. His creativity is showing, man. I don't know. Charles, bro. We, we, need, we, need, we need to link up. I need, right. I need, we have some creativity meetings to go through, man. But <laughs> just need more pressure up front, and I love this defense. The IRS. It, it makes me Gilly mad. Lock it's, and it's IRS. So, so, so simple. Yeah, it's so simple, but so creative because I never legit thought about calling Isaiah Rogers Sr. IRS. That's dope. Um. Yeah, man, it, it looks that way. It definitely appears that way. Uh, Stephon Gilmore has been phenomenal this season, man. He's been everything we've asked, asked for. Uh, I, I don't quite think he's prime defensive player of the year, Stephon Gilmore, you know, but he's been awesome, man. He, he's been a leader uh, in the secondary. He, he's been a closer in multiple games this season. And we see when the money's on the line, man, Gil, Gilmore goes get, go get it. And as far as Isaiah Rodgers, you know, when he has the opportunity, although now I would say it looks like the tide has turned on that. He He's significantly outsnapped uh, Brandon Faison. But Isaiah Rodgers has been playing great, man. He's the top five corner uh, according to PFF ranking system. I believe they graded him at an 87 so far this season, 87.2 or something to that nature. Uh, he, he's playing sticky coverage, man. Two pass breakups this past Sunday. Uh, smothering Devontae Adams. Uh, I was just talking to Zach Hicks about it yesterday. You know, we was exchanging different thoughts on the way Isaiah Rogers was playing. You know, that that's his guy. He's high on Isaiah. He feel like Isaiah has has all pro potential. You know, I don't know if I'm willing to go that far, but I'm definitely willing to say that he's a bona fide starter and and, and can be a Pro Bowler for sure in this league. I think he's that talented and. To get that out of a late round draft pick is it, just outstanding for him, man. If if he can get the full time starting spot, which it looked like is trending toward, I think we'll get a chance to see what he can really do because he's going to get a lot of action playing opposite of Stephon Gilmore. Well, I mean, if Isaiah Rogers isn't the full time starter going forward, um, I'm just going to add a second suitcase to pack on my weekly trip up to West 56th Street when I pack Chris Strasser's bags. I'm just going to start <laughs> packing Gus's as well. Someone, hey, you can't someone... pack Chris's bag this week, though. Sure, I can. You're telling you're telling me that Jeff Saturday comes in one week and the offensive line's playing well. To me, that's even more reason that Chris Strasser needs to be gone. That's that's embarrassing, ridiculous that it took ten <laughs> weeks for this offensive line to even look average, and they look good this past week. Don't get me wrong; they look slightly above average. I'd even go out on a limb and say, Will mm-hmm. Fry's not playing though for ten weeks. Embarrassing. He, yeah. he, technically, he technically started yeah. one game, and they went back to Matt Pryor. Embarrassing. But if if Isaiah Rogers didn't start going forward, there'd just be some bigger issues to have be had with Mister Bradley. But mm-hmm. Isaiah Rogers, man, I'm gonna make a very aggressive statement, a very bold. I think he has the best hip discipline in the corner room as a corner. I I think uh... I do. I I think I think Gilly. Is way better instinctual right now. I think it's just more trustworthy between the two. I think Gilly overall has a better understanding of his hands and his footwork. Don't get me wrong. Of course, yeah. But Isaiah Rogers' hip discipline is actually unreal. So like we, it's been talked about a lot about this play against the mm-hmm. Raiders and Devontae Adams. You've seen just about everyone post about it. But for him to get broke like he did, but he, his center mass. Mm-hmm. Stayed 
perfectly level to Devontae Adams yeah. the entire time. And that is impressive. And you just start watching Isaiah Rogers' game, and I, I'm getting a little football nerd on you. So if you guys back at home aren't, aren't film junkies, and you probably are like Destin, we really don't care. And I get it. But like I Isaiah Rogers, I know. Hip, hip. <laughs> DBs are just one of my favorite positions to scout. Like when we talk mm. about this offseason, you guys will hear me talk about DBs a lot because yeah. I just love the ins and outs of being a DB. I think it is one of the hardest positions, if not the hardest position to play in the National Football League outside of quarterback. At the quarterback, yeah. I don't but say that. Yep. The level of receiver in the National Football League right now is as good as it's been in a long time across the league. And to be a corner and have to do so many different things to stop these kind of guys is a near impossible task. Yeah. And hip discipline is a thing that I think is not talked about enough between corners Mm -hmm. because when you give away that leverage and when you give Mm -hmm. away that style of it, you're just throwing your momentum away. You're just throwing the ability to make a play on the ball. So the big part of that play and why Devontae Adams has that beautiful step back after the catch is because if you get the DB off center and you get the hip discipline going the wrong direction, that step back becomes almost impossible to stop. <laughs> they're facing an opposite way. Like, how are you going to then yeah. make someone do a 180 and keep moving towards you? So Isaiah Rogers' hip discipline, to me, is one of the most impressive parts about his game for such a young player that's not got to start a lot. So he's just gotten better each time that we've seen him. And I'll stop being a nerd for you guys now, but – I'm very impressed with Isaiah Rogers and I had a piece come out today even that I I think he is a star in the making and I think it's a rising star because I think he's already a star in his own light. I think he just has the ability to do things that we haven't seen in a young corner in Indianapolis in a very long time. Um, I think he's a future pro bowler. I I think he has the skill set and the want to be great to even say that one day I would not be shocked if he was an all-pro guy. Yeah. Uh, Isaiah Rogers definitely has that type of potential. You know, that's why I let you take that question because I saw your uh, piece today that that was about the corner room as a whole, but, you know, featured Isaiah Rogers in the headline and and, in the story. So that's why I really wanted you to get that question because I know you had a lot to say about that particular topic. Uh, What we got next? I think we have a couple questions uh, about the the upcoming Eagles game, if I'm not mistaken, which which is a good transition for us because we wanted to talk a little bit about the Eagles before we got up out of here. Um, so our next question is from Antonio Castile. His at name is at Charles Dickens. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. What you give Charles Dickens? Uh, uh, you're muted. Thanks, Destin. You're you're muted. Um, it was dramatic effect. I wanted. Okay. I was just getting that riled up for you. Um, <laughs> I, I'm I'm just gonna go a six and a half. I like it. Yeah. If you're a big Charles Dickens fan, I mean, good for you. Um, mm-hmm. it's also D I C K N S, so it's not all the way Dickens. So I'm curious if there's a reason for all that. You probably so. could, you probably couldn't get the probably get, couldn't get the full spelling. Uh, I, I'm gonna assume. I am too. That Charles yeah. Dickens is taken. So I'm gonna go six and a half and. Uh, Go books. <laughs> I'm going to go with the same thing. I'm going to go with the same thing. I see on his page he's, he's a philosopher and a writer, sports junkie. So you're good in my book. And he loves the media. So, hey, two two, hon- two hunks 
for Antonio. I, I'm sorry we don't have a, a a soundboard or anything for us to blow the horn. But his question is, do you think Parks has the knowledge to coach around the fact that Sirianni knows most of his personnel? I mean, I saw what Gruden did to the Raiders in the Super Bowl. <laughs> that's that's pretty funny. Um, so I mean, Sirianni knows a good amount of personnel. I think a lot of those players have jumped to a level that they were not at when Sirianni was here. Mm-hmm. And, and there's been so many quarterback changes that so many things have changed in the offense since Sirianni was here. Um, yep. So he definitely knows guys. Um, I'm sure you can know a lot about Pittman's skills just by watching tape though. So I really don't think Sirianni is going to have that much of a step up than the average coach that watches film on the Colts personally, just because of so many differences that have happened since he's been here. Um, now I don't know how to grade parks knowledge. It was one good game. It was, I think he called a good game. He stayed in his skill. He stayed within the personnel skill sets and he just didn't get too cute with it. I think that was one of Frank's biggest downfalls at times is he just tried to outsmart himself even at times. And sometimes that would just bite him in the butt. I think Parks in his first game didn't try to do too much, and it was a good outing. Um, I, I got to see more before I start grading his overall knowledge, though, of being a play caller. Um, but it was one good week for sure. Yeah, man. Uh, I can't really say. I think this would be a better question, you know, if if Frank Wright was was still coaching, you know, then I'm pretty sure Sirianni would have a pretty good handle on, on what's to expect, but. I'm pretty sure Park Frazier is coming out of left field with this stuff, man. Uh, nobody pretty much knew what to expect from him. I saw the quote that he had where Matt, him and Matt Ryan had the conversation, and, and Matt just told him to do whatever he feels is right. They're going to make him right, you know, whatever he calls out there, which I think is awesome to have your veteran quarterback telling you that on your first time going out there to call plays. I really don't think Sirianni has an advantage, though. I mean, you know, I know he knows the the, the players – and he's definitely going to use that to his advantage. But I think the best thing that could have happened to the Colts in this situation is having a new guy calling plays and and something totally unfamiliar to what Sirianni is accustomed to. Pretty sure he would have had a good handle on, on Frank ideologies and what Frank's likes to do and his tendencies in certain situations. But that's totally gone out the window right now. You know, so I'm interested to see that matchup with, with between Parks Frazier and pretty much Jonathan Gannon, really. This is true. And uh, Parks should know a thing or two about Gannon from their time here, right? So uh, exactly, maybe maybe that maybe Gannon's who I'm more worried about. <laughs> but going over here to a very friendly listener, Matt Marringer, friend of the show, multiple time question and asker. I don't know if that was what I wanted to say, but that's what we're rolling with. Seeing how really? Washington attacked this defense, should our game plan not be much different than last week? Philly is struggling on the interior defensive line, and that could be a strength if that trend continues. Um, My answer is going to depend on one thing, and I need Destin to look it up for me. Is Jordan Davis playing <laughs> this Sunday? I think that had a lot to do with the success on the ground that Washington had against the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Jordan Davis has been phenomenal. Uh, a lot of you guys know know about him from what he did at Georgia. But let me tell you, he's been having a great rookie season. The way they use him, 
it allows that defense to be so versatile when you have a guy like that in the middle just eating up space and eating up multiple blockers. And, and without him, they're a different team. They're, they are an entirely different team. And I know it's not a lot of times you can say that about a rookie and, and the impact he has on the game, but Jordan Davis does just that for the Eagles team who struggled against the run last year before they got him, you know, so they made it a priority to go out and get this guy. You know, anybody that did a mock draft pretty much was, was targeting uh, Jordan Davis to the Eagles. That was pretty much the gimme of our mock, one of the gimmies that we had in our first round mocks that we was doing. So um, I think it's going to heavily depend on that. So via his IR, he is not eligible to return to week 13 versus the Titans. You love to see it. Run, baby, run. Jonathan Taylor, 150. Buck 50 for J- for JT. I mean, honestly, with the way the line was getting pushed this past week, you have to build off that no matter who the opponent was, in my opinion. you Taylor is going to see stacked boxes no matter what. The big one, though, is I know that Damian Pierce for Houston, he faced a aggressive amount of stacked boxes, seven in the box for the – against the Eagles and I believe against that he averaged like 7.2 yards per carry the Eagles are just struggling right now even when they stack the box against guys so you got to attack that their secondary is way too good to let Matt Ryan throw 50 sometimes and Darius Slay Gardner Johnson back there like Gardner Johnson has an interception in five straight weeks let's just not throw at him let's just end the streak because you didn't target him is it really five straight weeks I, I think I, I believe it's I know he has right? five on the season, and, and maybe they probably was all, you know, back to back week. I know I, he I'll has, make sure, but I swear I it, it might be five straight weeks. I'm telling you, I wouldn't be shocked if it is five straight weeks. That's ridiculous if he does, man. You got, you got, you got to end that. Yeah, at, at some after, point, you know, after his interception yesterday, Gardner Johnson has now had an interception in five straight games. This straight ridiculous. So, the, so they you, had a buy. They had a buy within that. So I guess it's not five straight weeks technically. I mean, it's, it's five, five, but it's straight, five straight games. No, nah, it's definitely five straight weeks. That's <laughs> we count that as. Yeah. We count that as five straight weeks. And he has six sure. on the year. He is ridiculous, bro. Is that like, more interception? Is that more interception than the Colts have on the year? Good question. How many interceptions do the Colts have this this year? I feel Shaq like has, I can, Shaq has I can, one. I can name them. Gilmore has one. Uh, Gilmore has one. McLeod has. Kenny one. Moore has one. Kenny Moore has one. I know McLeod has one. Shaq has one. Yeah, Shaq. Um, does Bobby Zaire have one? I don't think Zaire does. All I don't, right. I don't think the he does. Colts. I don't think he does either. This is last year's stats. Black Blackman doesn't. It says we have ten, but I don't think that's accurate. Ten this season? Say I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Destin is our stat man. Uh, so anybody that's looking to do, you know, if you need to uh, want to be an intern, feel free to to, to contact. Yeah, because uh, this is not my my specialty by any means. Feel free um, to contact, contact us. We can get you college credit. We can't pay you. One, we can get two, you credit for sure. Rodney Thomas, Shaq Leonard, Stephon Gilmore, Rodney McLeod. That's it. Those are the only players listed with interceptions this year, which would be four, which means Gardner Johnson does, in fact, have more interceptions than the entire Indianapolis Colts. Ay, ay, ay. 
Jalen Hurts throws us one this Sunday, hopefully. Isaiah Rogers. Hmm. Speaking of who's probably going to get matched up a lot with Devontae Smith, I'd like to see that matchup. See Gilmore and AJ Brown. Witchy. Gilmore, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, and Isaiah Rogers. I like those matchups, man. That should be very entertaining. Um, for anybody that's not familiar with AJ Brown, feel free to visit the Stampede Blue website and check out my new article that's entitled Behind Enemy Lines. I featured AJ Brown, talked about his history a little bit with the Titans. Uh, some of you might get PTSD from it, but it's very insightful on the ways that the Philadelphia Eagles are using him this season and the new role that he's playing with his new team. And how what we can do to limit him? So, if you pray, shameless plug, shameless is that, plug. Is that what you said to limit him? Was just pray along those lines, a decorative way of saying pray, <laughs> pretty much. Light but, your can light your candles. Get down on one knee. Get down on both knees. Hands together. Let me see how much. Let me see how much praying Destin has to do to predict the Colts winning. Destin, what's your predictions for this weekend? This Sunday. Um, I, I Saturday brought some magic against Las Vegas. Philadelphia lost to Washington this last week, though. That that just changes everything for me. I I think Philadelphia comes into Indianapolis. I think they are angry. I think they know they got to get the win. I think they are gonna win, and I think they're gonna do so. Twenty seven twenty twenty seven twenty. You end up losing by seven. That's not bad. That's actually not bad. Uh, I'm gonna lean. I'm gonna lean with the Philadelphia Eagles as well. I just think they're uh, one of the most talented teams, top to bottom in the NFL. This team doesn't really have like a visible weakness when you look at. It. Well, I guess now, uh, running the run defense is is a, is a weakness now. Now that they're uh, suffering a couple of injuries, but. They still have a great pass rush. A lot of guys who get who get after it. Um, this indie team is going to be challenged, man. I think it's a good challenge for them. But I'm going to go with the Eagles, um, thirty-one to twenty-four. I, I think the Colts score some points this week. Uh, I think they continue. The offense continues to play well. I just think the Eagles just score a little bit more due to the fact that they have some. They have more explosive players. And in that offense, I think Nick Sirianni is getting the most out of those guys right now. And they definitely need to bounce back because they're in a tight division race right now with the Cowboys and the New York football Giants. So do they have anything else you want to say, Destin, before we get up out of here? Um, I don't know how many weeks in a row it's been that we've seen a starter benched for someone else um, as the week went. But it feels like we have a good streak going. You couldn't make it out the show without mentioning that, huh? So, do you do you think there's any surprise starting changes at the starting lineup this week? Do you think anyone is moved out? Anyone moved in specifically, or do you think we I have think, a quiet week? I think everybody that started last week that's healthy will start this week. Offensively, defensively, I'm just not sure about. I don't know if Quiddy's going to play, man. Woody has me worried. Uh, I hope, hopefully, he does play. I haven't heard anything else. I uh, need to make some phone calls and figure out if Quiddy's going to be out there, man. We'll know more after the practice tomorrow. So I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna run, go. They, they run it back. Run it back with the same lineup they had last week. I'm gonna say. I don't, I guess I don't know if this is like the announced starters, mm-hmm. but I think. 
DeForest Buckner will have more snaps at edge than he does in the interior, and we'll see Dio take his starting spot in the interior. I, I hate that. Destin heard something. He's not. He doesn't. Destin, what you heard? I'm just saying what I, I'm just saying. There's, there's I hate been a little, does this. There's been a little reports come out that there is some interest maybe that if Pay can't go, that they could be a little creative with how they go. The depth and edge on this team right now is just a struggle. Another reason why I said that that's a spot that I could imagine the team targeting. And with Yannick struggling, I think you have to – make it to where the guy opposite of him is going to get attention so you can attempt to open him up a little bit. DeForest mm. is getting double teamed no matter where you put him. I think you put him on the edge, you let him use that athleticism, let him work out that area. I think you want Dio to be on the field, put him in that DeForest Buckner role. And I think that's the best four to put out there. And I think the best way for success is for it to be DeForest Buckner. And, I mean, it's been said out there. I think everyone knows it. I, I just think – from what I've heard, I don't think Quiddy pays this week. Um, I mm-hmm. don't think Quiddy plays. I think they give him at least the week off after the a little bit of a reaggravation there, um, so you can get him fully healthy. And I think to combat that, they messed around with the Buckner on the edge a little bit last week, but I think we see it at a way higher rate this week. There you have it. There you have it. Well, this has been another episode of the Saddle Up Show, brought to you by Stampede Blue the official code site of SB Nation. I am Rashad McGinnis. That is D, Destin Adams. We'll see y'all next week.